What up, what up, what up everyone, welcome to episode 206, you heard that right, episode 206 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo, big thanks to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court, today's show John Fanta of College Basketball on Fox joins in a great conversation with John. Can't wait for you all to hear it. You can find John on Twitter at John underscore Fanta. That's J-O-H-N underscore F-A-N-T-A. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get it's with Luca, don't do it to him. John Fanta of Fox College Hoops. Welcome to Combo's Court. How are you feeling today? It is great to be with you. Uh, I'm doing well. It's awesome that college basketball is just around the corner. We're coming off a, a really amazing NBA bubble season. So I'm excited. It's good to be with you on the corner. It's great to have you. You know what's so interesting, John? This Mac versus Calipari thing they got going on. Because, you know, I grew up watching pro wrestling and it kind of has that feel to it. It really does. It, it does have this stone cold mr mcmahon you know um undertaker against whoever uh because he had so many different rivals throughout the years it's got that vibe you know it really does this is this is great for college basketball we know that kentucky louisville is one of the best rivalries in the sport and anytime that gets escalated to another level it's a great thing and what you have here is, yes, you've got John Calipari, one of the great coaches in the sport. You know, he cares about the sport, is a, is a guardian of the game in that he loves to build the game. He loves to play that big game. He loves the national TV exposure. He's all about that. And for Louisville, they're coming off here, you know, these years of, of some scandal of it within the program, just things going on, the Rick Patino stuff. And, you know, Chris Mack comes in. He has so much swagger. He has so much personality, and he's not going to be outdone. And that's why I love this hire when they made it, because he is that stubborn, you know, sort of badass type mentality. And I love that against John Calipari. I think that this is awesome. And, you know, when I talked with Chris Mack on the podcast I did a couple of weeks ago, Full Court Press, and he said he didn't know, and he talked about the idea. Uh, he didn't know if the Louisville-Kentucky game would happen, I should say. What that turned into, Andrew, you know, going from just you, you've got, I don't know if we're going to play the game, to John Calipari being like, to Chris Mack saying, look, we've, we've thrown options at you too, and you haven't accepted them. This is awesome for the rivalry. I can't wait till December 26, which is what it looks like this, this game's going to be. What a post-Christmas gift that is. All the cards are on the table. You got John Calipari, you got Chris Mack going at it. And, and when these two teams get on the floor, we always know it's going to be a, a highly intense game. And I, I think for these two teams this year, you know, it, both these programs are in a, a good place. 
You've got two coaches who are all about it. I love it and cannot wait for it. It's exactly what college basketball needs. And after the season got cut off at the end of last year, to enter this 2020-21 campaign, you think about it. You know, the next time we see basketball on our televisions, it's going to be college basketball if the schedule holds true. And college basketball is going to have a window that it normally doesn't have from late November to, you know, at least probably January 1, where we only see college basketball, not the NBA. So that's a really interesting time for college basketball to perhaps gain that fan back who hasn't watched the sport in quite some time. John, what's the future like for you when it comes to sports broadcasting? I mean, I've had Fred show on the show, and I think I remember him telling me that him and Bob weren't even on site when they were covering the TBT. Is that what it'll look like for you? Yeah, so it, it sounds like that we will be doing some things in some sort of remote capacity. Okay. You know, I, I think that sounds like it might be in a control room at a, at a studio. Okay. Or, you know, behind the scenes type of stuff. I don't think... Um, I don't think we'll be doing at-home calls. I think for some things we might, for some more minor games, maybe. But I think you're going to see a lot of commentators that, at least for the start of the season, first five or six weeks, you know, at least in a studio. That's that's what I think we'll be doing. We'll see if we get to a point where we can get back on site. But it does sound like we'll be following the model of some other leagues and some other sports coverage, and that we could be uh, very well remote doing things out of a studio. And that that totally – Look, that changes a lot of a lot of things. It's it's not the same, but as a commentator, you adapt. Yes, and you do do whatever is possible to give that game experience to the fan watching the game at home. So uh, I've done it before on some other sports. It's certainly different, but I've adjusted, and I can't wait for this season. Here's the thing: I'll call a game from. You ever see The Dark Knight Rises? Yep. Remember when he's down in the cellar? you know, trying to work his way up the wall. I right, would call right. a game from down in there. If you, <laughs> if you told me there's going to be college basketball, I'd call a game from down in there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For I don't sure. care where you put me. Let's just play. You love the game. You love the game, John. You know, uh, I mean, high major basketball, they're going to get it done. Like the Louisville, yeah. the Kentuckys, they're going to get to play. But what do you think mid-major basketball will look like for this upcoming college season? Well, I think that there's going to be some hardships for certain mid-majors. But I also think that there's a good portion of them that are going to be playing in multiple team events at respective power conference campuses. Okay. Louisville's doing this. Xavier's doing this. Um, I think that Butler might be doing something like this. St. John's is doing it. And they're playing Bryant, Manhattan, and LaSalle. You know, those are, those are mid-major programs. Definitely. Uh, LaSalle, a little bit further up because they're in the Atlantic 10. But the, the point is, those are mid-major programs. So what I think you're going to see is, look, power conference schools are going to be okay. But let's face it, they still want to get their wins. Or at least their thought process is, we still got to get a couple wins so that we're not stuck playing a, a you know seven or eight, te- seven teams that are just world beaters, and we end up in a hole at two and five. But our schedule's been really hard. You got to find your wins where you can. I still think that element's going to be there. I just think the finances here for mid-majors, it's so difficult. You know, they rely on that money when a, a Manhattan goes to Kentucky, you know, yep. and they get that huge paycheck. Or yep. when a Kent State, you know, travels to Duke and they get that huge paycheck. Those games, they're not going to happen. And, you know, here's the other thing. I think that mid-majors, low-majors will end up being okay because they will play their conference schedules. And here's the thing with a lot of those conferences. 
they're only taking one tournament team, you know, a champion. So you're going to play your conference schedule. It might feel very normal because you take your best team from that respective conference. The thing that I think needs to be considered here is everybody's very scared or concerned about, about you know, mid to low majors, you know, and, and maybe scared isn't the right word, but concerned. You know, non-conference play is only lasting two or three weeks because a lot of these conferences are starting their league play in mid-December to knock some games out. So I do think that, that there's kind of a – we have to consider the fact that non-conference play is as quick as it is. And so as much as I think that for mid-majors, financially, some of their big agreements that they had going on the road, those are going to get affected. I don't think you're going to see it affect the way we view this season as much as previous years. So, I, look, it's concerning. I think that certain mid-majors are still going to be able to find their way to games you got to find your way to a game any way you can slice it. Any way you can slice it. That's why you got to play local rivalries, because they're local. You can go down the road and play that school, and if the game has to get rescheduled, you can still play them. That's why Louisville, Kentucky need to be playing. It's why Marquette and Wisconsin need to be playing in other schools. So I think it's going to be okay for mid-majors. I think there's certainly some concerns. I don't think that they are unworkable, though. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's just interesting for those coaches and those players to be able, if they're going to be able to stay locked in when nothing's really concrete, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I think, I think for everybody, I mean, yeah, that's true. About that's this true. Year, it's been tough. Yeah. There, nothing's been concrete in 2020. That's you know, true. My message to, to everybody is the same. Look, it's not going to be fair at certain points. Should the Patriots um, or not the Patriots, should the bills, have to play a game on a Tuesday night and then turn around and play the next week, you know, with, with only a certain amount of days rest. No deal with it. Figure it out. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, not always going to be fair. Deal with it. I, I kept the podcast going through the whole NBA pause, you know, kept recording. So I'm with you. I'm with you, John. Yeah. I'm I mean, it's, it might not be fair. It might not be ideal. Got to keep moving forward. For sure. John, I wanted to ask you this about the NCAA as a whole. I guess it has an NBA aspect to it as well. Would you like to see uniform in terms of rules when it comes to NCAA and NBA? Because overseas, I mean, when you're playing youth basketball, the rules are very similar to where they where they'll land as a pro. And I think I would like to see that. I know a lot of guys don't end up playing in the NBA. Most of the guys, 99%. But would you like to see that? And what do you think of that? Yeah, I think uniformity is always good. Yeah, And I think that we, we've been so stuck in sort of old school mentality for so long. And as a result, it's like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it might actually be broke at times because you're, you might be hindering the development of some players. Look, here's the thing. The greats are always going to be able to overcome any rule change, anything you throw at them. So right. I, don't think, I don't think that it's making a, a massive impact to a point of like, oh, a point of no return. That said... I do think we need to add some uniformity, you know, well, I mean, going back to the topic of a shot clock, like it, it should be a 24 second shot clock. I mean, that's yeah. what, in terms of the length, you know, in terms of the dimensions, it's there, there should be, you know, similar things with three point line and, and similar things with, you know, that we see even from the international game, like you just said, there's uniformity from going to college to pro. There's some things we have to take, from that and morph into both college and pro maybe that we can do that. But I, I don't think there should be as big of a discrepancy as there is between college and pro. The more that we can merge those two, the better. Right. Uh, I heard your podcast with Sarah on the Brooklyn nets. 
Yeah. Yeah. What did you make of your conversation? Just what was your biggest takeaway from that when we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets and this upcoming season? Well, my biggest biggest conversation, my biggest takeaway from that conversation is what the Nets do beyond Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Yes. Because I don't know what their, what their approach is going to be from a front, from a front office standpoint, you know, you have Karis LeVert, who has shown that he's more than capable of, of being, you know, a, a main type of scorer and player. Obviously, has gone through some injuries. And- Great player, but might not be the right fit. Exactly. Yeah. So, do the Nets, do they be aggressive? You know, will they be aggressive in, in this? Um, or will they kind of stand pat and keep him and – and maneuver their way with the contracts that they have. I mean, I, I'm just curious because here's the thing. There's only one basketball. And Katie and Kyrie are going to take up a lot of touches. So you have Joe Harris, who is a lights-out three-point shooter. Is a great career, fit. Over, well over 40% three-point shooter. A great fit. Right. You know, we know what they have um, – down low with with some really good pieces there. Jared Allen, I love him. I love his game. I love the way he plays. But what I'm curious with Brooklyn is, do they have enough? Do they have the right supporting cast? And I think Sarah brought it up last week. It was like, you know, she likes a Steve Nash hire. She thinks that a, a, a former player with some interesting personalities, Katie and Kyrie, maybe Nash gets those guys more. Maybe he, he soothes them more into what they're – they're going to be, you know, because sometimes you get these guys that are in their late forties, fifties, these NBA coaches who, who do not put up with a whole lot of personality. If, if that's who you are, then Brooklyn's not the right place because Kyrie and Katie are who they are. Kyrie in particular, he's, he's going to be a bit of a handful of times, but I, but she likes a Steve Nash hire. That was a big takeaway. And then what do they do here? You know, because Brooklyn has some interesting players, but is it the right supporting cast for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Yeah, I don't think it is. I mean, you, you need more 3 and D on that team, I think. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of people criticize LeBron for being, you know, a GM. Uh, they're saying LeBron is a GM, but he knows what he needs to get the job done. And he'll tell you, I hope Kyrie and KD, you know, I hope they speak their thoughts and what they need. Oh, you know. For anybody criticizing LeBron James, he has not only been a part of acquiring teammates throughout his career, he has been the reason why certain general managers have done what they've done in acquiring or getting rid of other players. And other players have done what they've done because of King James. So I don't, I, I look, I think LeBron has earned that right to do those types of things. Any four time champion. Um, who's been to 10 finals and he's in year 17 and still defining greatness has, has earned that right. You know, I think that that's the thing with, with Bobby Marks and Brooklyn is you've got a situation with Katie and Kyrie where they are larger than life personalities. But you also have to listen to them. I think that's a big... And I you think, have to listen to them. Yeah. But, and I'll tell you what, Kyrie Irving is a handful. I mean, that's, that is a very big question is can this all work out? Because... Kyrie Irving has has already been very outspoken this offseason. I don't like the, the tone. I don't like the way that that's, that that's been set in Brooklyn. So I'm very curious to see 
how Steve Nash kind of gets that in a controlled environment and makes it work. They, they need to assemble the right supporting cast, though. That's the thing with Brooklyn. They had a real nice run in the bubble. They were enjoyable to watch. You know, it ended quickly, but they, they look good. But next year's team is not going to be that way in terms of the way they're structured and in terms of the way they play because of the fact that, that Kyrie and KD are in the fold. John, any draft prospects that you covered that you think will surprise people? Okay, any draft prospects that I've covered that I think will surprise people? Um, it's, a, it's a very good question. I'm, I'm thinking right now in my head of a couple of guys that come to mind. You know, I mean, I think Sadiq Bey for Villanova is this year's Donovan Mitchell. I think he has a chance to be this year's Donovan Mitchell. A guy he's, more, he's more three and D than Donovan Mitchell is, right? He's more three and D. But I think by the standpoint of Donovan Mitchell was slept on in the draft. Okay, okay. And, up, and then has ended up playing like a top three to five pick out of the right. draft. So I, I look at Bay as a guy that's going to be taken, you know, in the, in the lottery, potentially, you know, 10th through 15th. We'll see maybe in the 12, 13 type of range. He is a three and D player. He's lengthy at six foot seven, makes versatile plays. I, I really like his game. I think that he could end up being one of the five best players in this draft class, but he's not going to get picked there because you're taking the, you're taking the hype with LaMelo. You're taking the, the flyer on Anthony Edwards, or you're taking, you know, the flyer on uh, Demi Avdija, the uh, international prospect. So I, I think that there's a chance, there's a chance that, um, that Sadiq Bay can be that type of player in this draft. John, who do you think will win it all this year, man? Who are some of the teams you think will win for college basketball? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be such a weird year, but Baylor returns the majority of their core from last year. This is not a one-year fluke type of thing. This is not a Baylor program that's just, you know, suddenly gotten up near the top of the country and is going to, you know, now drop back off. Like we saw Oklahoma a couple years ago with Buddy Heald. They haven't really been the same since. They got Trey Young, but they that wasn't a great team. They made the tournament, and uh, they were out after a round to Rhode Island. So I look at Baylor. I'm telling you, they have all the pieces in the world, and they defend at such a high level. That is a team that I expect uh, to make a deep run and, and could very well be in the Final Four. We'll see if they can put it together this year. Villanova, without, you know, with the exception of Bay, they return virtually everybody. So you have to expect them to, to be a team that can win 30-plus games, you know, um, because not 30. We're only playing 27 this year. But, I, I mean, that's a team that could win. They, they could go 23-4 and four in the regular season. That, that's how good that they could be. Um, Gonzaga. You know, another team that returns the majority of, of their core, but also brings in a couple of impact players. Mark Few has it going down there. You know, I'm curious. Duke has a freshman class. They've got freshman guards. I don't know how that's going to work out in a season, in an offseason where you didn't get a chance to fully come together. So I'm, I'm not as high on Duke. I'm not as high on North Carolina. I'm not as high on Kentucky as it previously been. I think that Tennessee is a fascinating team. Rick Barnes brings in one of the best recruiting classes in the country. They have enough returnees to welcome those guys in. Watch out for the volunteers. That's an intriguing team for me. And then I'd be remiss to say, Andrew, 
The best conference in the sport is the Big Ten. Iowa with Luca Garza back. Rutgers with Geo Baker. Rutgers is is back. The Scarlet Knights are back, and they're ready to contend. Wisconsin, you know, they they bring back a really good core of players. Brad Davison and company, they're, they're going to be there again. The, the Badgers are a top-10 team. Michigan State, of course, Tom Izzo is going to be in contention. That's four Big Ten teams. A, a fifth, Illinois, Io DeSumo is back and is going to be uh, Kobe Cokeburn, another Illinois player that is a star. The Illini, they have not had a, a, an Elite Eight type of team in quite some time in Champaign. They're another team. The Big Ten is loaded. I'd be surprised if we didn't see a Big Ten team in the Final Four. That conference is stacked from top to bottom. Great stuff, John. You mentioned Duke. How surprised would you be if Coach K makes the leap to the NBA one day? Never going to happen. Never going to happen? Never happen. He'll, he'll retire at Duke. I would be shocked. Shocked at his age to go in the NBA. Jay Wright? Mike Krzyzewski is, I mean, I'm just looking it up now. You know, Mike, Mike Krzyzewski, who's been there since 1980, is 73 years old. He's not going to the NBA. Jay Wright? He'll, he'll retire a Duke Blue Devil. He's not going anywhere either. If Jay Wright wanted to go in the NBA, he would have gone already. He's won two of the last four national championships. What more is there left for him to accomplish in the college game? Yeah. And if not now, then when? You know, he could have he yeah. looked from the Sixers. Potentially could have gone. He didn't. And uh, he wants to stay at Villanova. Yeah, I, I, think Doc, I think Doc Rivers is the right fit there anyway. I like that. I like that for the Oh, team. I like that too. I think that Doc Rivers, look, Philadelphia got it right. I mean, yeah. anytime you can hire a guy as good as Doc Rivers. 100%. Who's not only good for, for what you do on the court. I know people have their comments of like he's one with stars. Or Listen, every coach in this league wins with stars. Right. Right. I, I mean, what, what are we talking about here? You, you're not going to, you know, no coach in the NBA is turning water into wine. You know, nobody's, nobody's doing that. It's a star-driven league. So, yeah. Doc Rivers was a great hire. Yeah, that's, that's the thing with the super team thing. Like, there's been so many teams with, like, two or three stars on it that won championships. So, like, we've seen so many super teams. Obviously, it wasn't maybe, like, you know, with KD and Steph Curry when you had two MVPs in their prime. But there's been a lot of it. There's been a lot of it, you know. Uh, John, great stuff. Uh, you're always welcome back on the show. Please let us know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else. At John underscore Fanta, J-O-H-N underscore Fanta. Got a ton of college hoop stuff there, sports takes, and much more. Uh, I'm also at Big East MBB. That's where a lot of my work can be found during the season cover in the Big East Conference. Always a pleasure to be with you. Would love to come back on. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime, John. Talk soon. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to Combo's Court. Big shouts to John for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, let me know how you feel about this episode by dropping a comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Rate and review wherever you listen to Combo's Court and share this episode with a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the show. Be on the lookout for episode 207. Combo out.